I couldn't be religious and gay. It was impossible. I was being marketed as some sort of like teenage it girl. When a girl kissed me on my 18th birthday, a whole other world opened up to me. I was a minor nuisance. Eight Australians will tell you about the choices that have led them to unexpected places. These are some of the stories you will hear on Let Me Tell You, a podcast where real people tell incredible real stories. Look for Let Me Tell You and follow wherever you get your podcasts. It's hard to get governments to agree, so we're taking a more personal approach. This negotiation ought to do it. You don't own me, I know your property, so take a shifty little beady eyes off of me. Commander Waterford, you have now crossed into Canada. Welcome to Eyes on Gilead, our weekly podcast dedicated to The Handmaid's Tale. There is a lot going on in this show and we think it helps to talk it out after every episode of The Handmaid's Tale Season 3 premieres on SBS and at SBS On Demand. I'm Fiona Williams and I manage our online coverage of movies and TV here at SBS and I'm joined by my colleagues and fellow resistors, Natalie Handley of SBS Voices. Hi. And Hayley Island of SBS On Demand. Hi. And a little snoozy baby Greta. And uh, Sana Kadar, our regular contributor and resistor and colleague. Can't be with us this week. She's on a clandestine trip to Canada with Fred and Serena. She's uh, <laughs> maybe in the back of that cabriolet. Um, but yes, no doubt she's listening. Hi, Sana. We have just watched episode 11 of season three of The Handmaid's Tale. And this one is called Liars. They should have known you were a fucking liar. June must rely on an unpredictable Commander Lawrence to execute her plan. It's, it's, it's just a matter of, of time. Keep your fucking shit together. But a terrifying return to a place from June's past puts everything in jeopardy. He likes me to come here and then tell him what happens. Meanwhile, Serena Joy and Commander Waterford take a clandestine trip. Feels good to drive again. I mean, I want to say this one was amazing. It's called Liars, but it could also be called Commander's Comeuppance, really. Like, the, the <laughs> boys are getting at this one, and I'm all for that. Uh, let's, around the room, what stood out? Uh, hey, let's start with you this week. What stood out for you? Uh, I think the reaffirmation of Serena as my favourite character <laughs> in this TV series. Oh, my goodness. Her 180 in this episode, not towards June, but towards the other most important person in her life. Oh, it was glorious to watch. <laughs> More on that to come. Uh, Nat, what stood out for you? First of all, so many things. It was amazing. Um, but one moment I really enjoyed is just Fred wearing sunglasses. Oh, <laughs> oh were they wearing him? <laughs> yeah, they were way too big for him, just like his suits. <laughs> I mean, that shot as the window came down. Yeah. Time to go. <laughs> so um, good. It really was so much fun. For me, it's probably two. I think, um, well, the big one for me was Winslow copping it, but being stabbed by a pen, being held by a woman was just wonderful. No wonder he didn't want the ladies to have writing <laughs> implements. And the second one really was just small, tiny takeaway, but says so much that um, when she's at Jezebel's at the bar and that ugh, guy comes up and tells the woman to smile, give us a smile, sweetheart. Give us a smile, sweetheart. Yeah, guys who do that would, of course, be commanders in Gilead and would, of course, be at Jezebel's. Anyway, just a small one from me. <laughs> but like you say, so much to talk about. Let's get into it. This one was a gift. Um, we open with high drama at the Lawrence abode. Yeah. A gun-toting Eleanor. Oh, yeah, so it's kind of like it was jaw-dropping from the very start. Yeah. Sort of it started that way and it 
was in the middle that way and it ended that way. <laughs> like it was just amazing, really. Seeing Eleanor finally bubble over and and retaliate after the end of last episode. It's just all gotten too much for her and the way she's chosen to take it out on Lawrence was just fantastic to see. You know, the trauma is really getting to her Yeah. after that last episode. And the way this show, new episodes, butt up right against the end of the previous ones. Like this is clearly the night of that we've just had that attempt at a ceremony. Well, it was a ceremony, really, wasn't it? So everyone's gone to bed. <laughs> June's in her nighty, and it's, yeah, clearly she's going down at the Lawrence house. And June's put back in that position that she was put in with Janine in season one where she's talking someone down from the edge, and she does such a good job of it. She knows exactly what to say. I think over the course of this season she's just learnt so much about um, – how to say the right thing to each person in this world around her. She knows just what to say to Eleanor to to get her to back down. Mm -hmm. There was that question that Commander Lawrence had for her a few episodes ago, which was um, how much do you know about how much people can take? And she said everything. And you really saw that in that moment. But the other thing that I really loved about that scene, though, was that when June was talking her down, she also blamed Mrs Lawrence and said that, like, You know, she's got the gun pointed on her husband because clearly the um, rave scenes are just too much. But she also had a part in building that world. And I thought that was really interesting. Yeah, that was great. And I think it points to Serena at the end there as well. Like, you know, you could have done something here. Mm -hmm. No, the first half of this episode is all prefacing the second half, isn't it? It's so Mm -hmm. good. And, um, you know, we say June knows exactly what to do in these situations and she's the manager. For her efforts, she gets called an ice queen by Lawrence. That was so strange. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because Serena has been that role. Serena is the (laughs) ice queen. So, yeah, it was kind of a weird one to come back to her. But that just shows that for this guy who's just been so cool and calm and collected and always knows what everyone else is doing. He's been keeping tabs on everybody for years, that he's always the guy that has been one step ahead and he has been thoroughly undone the last few episodes and June is the one that has been saving everything. Yeah. And um, for that Ice Queen comment, so much of this episode is June saying you have to control yourself. You have to, she recites that what would you say, her? It's the survival script. <laughs> it is the survival script, yeah, which we, we heard last week again and we've heard many, many times before about it's just a job, treat it like a job. But June's temperament is so much in the frame this episode because, of course, she does not keep her cool when Winslow's in the room happily and amazingly. Yeah, the Ice Queen thaws <laughs> pretty majorly <laughs> when it's towards the end of the episode. It's amazing. And throughout we see everyone vouching for people. Like there's basically to cool Eleanor, she has to vouch for Lawrence, like he's useful, we need him alive to get us out of this, da da da. So and then of course when the Martha's mm-hmm. uh downstairs, um Beth has Beth, to vouch. Exactly. Beth's vouching for June to June, she's vouching for Billy. And it, even towards the end, Serena is vouching for uh Tirillo to Fred. It waits a while to ask that question, I must say. Like they've, <laughs> yeah. they've clocked up a few Ks before he says, do you trust this guy? Anyway, that's a, that's a bye-bye. But, yeah, there's a lot of trust and alliances that's sort of being tested here. Like, do you vouch for this person? Can I trust them? So interesting to see who you can trust in the horrendous world of Gilead. And the amount of double-crossing was just yes. <laughs> was just so good. <laughs> um, and it's just so much of it. I was trying to add up. All of the double crossing yeah. that happened, and I don't even think I have a full list. But um, so, let's try. Yeah. Go. Okay. So June is double crossing the Marthas because she said that she would not 
interfere with their um, plane drop, whatever that is. Yep. But now, of course, she is. She inserts herself yeah. right in that. I'm curious how Lorraine might take to that, the, uh, the Chief Martha there. Commander Lawrence double-crossed her by promising to stick around and help and then instead he tried to leave. Yep. Um, who else has got one? Well, uh, did Serena double-cross Fred? Did she know that was going to happen? 100%. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 If you rewatch so, it, it's like... Her yes. movement's here. She knows yeah. what's coming. I totally had to rewatch this. I think yeah, yeah. this is an episode that I could actually watch multiple times. I love that. So good. Mm. <laughs> so, yeah, it was especially delicious on the rewatch, paying attention to Serena and what she says to everyone and how she acts. And, yeah, so I'm sort of, I'm left in no doubt, really, that she absolutely double-crossed Fred and knew what was going to happen. Yeah. I think she yeah. made a phone call last week before she handed the phone to Fred. <laughs> yeah, I agree. I think there were a few key hints at that throughout the episode, which, yes, I did only pick up on the second watching. And the first was when she's saying goodbye to Rita. Yes. That's not an ordinary goodbye. When she says, um... May the Lord bless you and keep you. And then hugs her. She's like, thank you for loving Nicole so much. Yes. That's the kind of goodbye that you give when you know you're not coming back. Mm. One thing, though, because Rita makes a point of, I tried to not overpack. Like, does Rita know Mm. she's going for a while? I think Rita assumes... Yeah, there was something in that too where she might guess. I was thinking how horrible it was oh. that like Rita gets left behind. Serena's got a plan. Serena's going to get out. Yeah, bye, Rita. Thank you for loving yeah. Nicole so much. Yeah, cheers. And, <laughs> and and Rita has become so close to Serena this series when she spent all of last season planning to get Nicole out. It's almost like she feels regret for that. Um, Do you remember after that she seeing... actually slapped Rita? Do you remember that? Like it was yeah. it was during the. Um, the baby shower The baby episode? shower, yeah. And she wanted to punish June, but she couldn't because June's pregnant, so instead she slapped Rita. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Never forget. <laughs> <laughs> she seems to feel regret on some level for having helped get Nicole out, having seen what it's done to Serena. So that closeness of their relationship this season has been quite different. Um, and so, yeah, I do feel sorry for her. What's going to become of her? If the Waterfords don't return. I know, right? That's a good question. How much did Rita actually know, do you think? Because I think Rita still is pretty much under the impression that Nicole's coming back. Maybe she knows that, like, Serena's double-crossing Fred and going to dob Fred in in order to get Nicole. But it seemed to me that Rita was under the impression that Nicole was being brought back to Gilead because she did ask that question. And you're sure that this is the best thing for Nicole? So Serena's also betraying Rita. (laughs) There's another it one. It seems. <laughs> but the other, um, the other hints that made me think that Serena has betrayed Fred um, were the conversation that they had in the woods. Yes. Um, which if you were Fred, you might read that as a bit of a reconciliation conversation. Mm-hmm. But if you're Serena, you might read that as a, as a bit of a farewell conversation right. as well. And Fred assumed Serena was sort of reflecting on the merits of bringing Nicole back into this world. You're worried. about bringing Nicole back here. I'm fine. She didn't dissuade him of that view, but she certainly didn't really respond. So she sort of let him work on that assumption. But, yeah, her her behaviour is very obtuse but calculating it. Yeah, I reckon she was in it. The way she also vouched for Tirillo and, like, put a hand on the arm, it's sort of like, yeah, it's going to be all right. I trust this guy. Yeah, not... Not to look after you, though. She and, of course, she goes back to the American trucks. Like, she she goes back to yeah. America's trucks. Fred goes off to Canadian trucks. Yeah, she's so, not getting arrested. Yeah, yeah. And she 
very faintly goes, wait, 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 when it's starting to go down. Because Fred, it's interesting to see how the commanders all react in this situation. Like Lawrence's first instinct is to run with his wife. Of course, he doesn't get very far. Winslow fights. But Fred, his all his words are to protect Serena. Like he's saying she didn't do anything wrong. Like he's not trying to stop them roasting him. He actually, his reflex is actually to support Serena. He still couldn't give up his patriarchal ideas that he was still the man in charge protecting his wife. (laughs) But we talked last episode about the choice that Fred had to make when Serena gave him that phone. So even though she clearly had a different plan, he still had to decide whether he was going to be the career guy, whether he was going to be the family guy. And you did actually see that he really chose family. Like he actually really did decide to back Serena, to try and get Nicole, that he really wanted to see their baby take her first steps. Yeah. Um, Even says that he's ready to give up the career in Washington to move to the country with her. I think that's off the, on the strength of Winslow's clue that he knows Fred's not really running a household, so he's not really fit to lead Gilead. I think he kind of has read where his best uh, interests might lie now. So, yeah, I don't think it's <laughs> I don't think it's entirely just out of being trying to be a good dad. Um, I do love the line you mentioned it just then, Nat, but when he, he says to Serena about Nicole, She is going to grow up to be just like you. That is not the compliment that he probably means it to be, really. <laughs> like that whole scene in the woods that they had, watching that again was really fascinating to see what Serena probably is actually thinking. And Fred Mm. is thinking he's saying all the right things. Fred thinks his little speech, and I was thinking, did he practice this speech at Jezebel's? But anyway, (laughs) he's thinking he's saying all the right things, how in a different life he could actually be the man behind the woman. And he thinks he's supporting her. Mm. And he still hasn't properly really apologised for exactly how Gilead turned out. Like he did say, I think that's what I really liked about this episode. Well, one of the many things I really liked was we saw Commander Lawrence express regret and talk about the things which they made mistakes on. Yes. And also Fred also talks about that as well, where he said he didn't realise it was actually going to be so bad for Serena. Mm. But he still never really said sorry about it. Like he never really took that next step. It was a very quick apology when he said it. She she was, how could you take that away from me? Like the ability to write her books, her independent life. And it's an immediate sorry, but yeah, it's sort of like, yeah. that's going to fix it, Fred? I don't know about that. And now that it's been suggested, it just makes so much sense. I love I love how the characters in this show are so unpredictable, yet when we see their actions they're so justifiable yeah. within the realm of those characters. When Torello first approaches her to see if she wants to leave Gilead, he says that she'll be able to tell her story, that she'll be able to write and have her own voice. And in this conversation with Fred, he's talking about how, you know, that's all she ever wanted and wouldn't it be great if she could do that again. It makes so much sense that she would take up this offer now as a chance to get out and as a chance to get that power back that she's realised over the course of these seasons that she's not going to have in Gilead. Because it was one thing for Fred to say, I'm sorry, I didn't realise how bad it was going to turn out for you. But what he was missing in that was just how much he was instrumental in it because he did beat her last season. Mm. And then, of course chopped off her finger. Mm. So it wasn't like he wasn't maintaining that world. But also, and this, you know, is a nod to the first scene of this um, episode, she was culpable too. She wrote the book. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like, you know, she Mm -hmm. wasn't poor innocent Serena. So, yeah, that element of culpability, it's in the mix and it it needs to be. This is the part that gets me because I said this show better not end with (laughs) Serena getting out to Canada and being (laughs) being reunited with Nicole while June stays in Gilead to die and (laughs) 
that's, that's where we are right now. Yeah, how are we tracking on that one? Oh. I'm, I'm interested to see what does happen to her once she gets to Canada, yes. though, because Nicole is in the care of Luke under Canadian law and Torello's coming in, making a bargain to trade Fred for Serena's passage. Treason and coconuts. Yeah, treason and coconuts, passage to Canada, maybe Hawaii, let's see. But uh, that's not necessarily a passage straight to Nicole. I think yeah. Serena's taking it as a path that will possibly lead her to Nicole, but we don't know if she's going to get there. Do you yeah. think? I don't know. Like The whole thing she's ever wanted is Nicole, and I don't know if she's done such a complete turnaround because she still has thought of Nicole as her baby and wants her baby. Has she actually gone far enough in her thinking to have given up on that? Is getting out to Canada enough? No, I don't think she's given up on Nicole. I think she's seeing this as her best option to get back to Nicole, but that's not necessarily what is going to happen. And also to bring in the role of the state and negotiators and whatnot, like how far is Tuello willing to go to get his big fish of Fred Waterford in, in The Hague? You know what I mean? Like would he negotiate a baby to get more of the, the head honchos? So, you know, that's mm. sort of real politic. Yeah, <laughs> Fred is a pretty big draw card. Mm. So, yeah, I, I, I guess I would be surprised if Serena made the deal without the guarantee of getting the baby. So, mm. yikes. Yikes. Time for some Canada episodes, I think. And and that scene of Fred and Serena in the woods reminded me that it's kind of a flip of the fight they had last year in the Holly episode. Like when they're away from the rest of Gilead, the truth bombs start flying. Maybe not so much from Serena this time, but, uh, yeah, you know, that epic fight they had that mm-hmm. was fantastic at the abandoned house. Mm-hmm. Here and there in the woods and they're sort of speaking truth. Well, she, you know, she's being honest about how could you stop me from writing. Yeah, I liked that. It was sort of married against that one last year. I was wondering what Serena was going to be up to in this episode because I knew it was something. I actually did not predict that it was the double cross that she actually pulled off. But when he gave her the chance to drive the car and she was speeding, I thought, what is she going to do? Because yeah. I thought she did burn their house down. You know? <laughs> <laughs> do you really want her to be driving right now at this, <laughs> like, at this speed? Anyway. The answer to that is yes, obviously. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Put your pedal to the metal story. So, yeah, I did have this feeling that like something was up. Yeah. But um, yeah, but then they just took it to a whole place, which. Yeah. It was surprising, you know, like we're always trying to anticipate and speculate, but like I didn't pick any of this. It's great. Is June's biggest adversary in the show really going to leave Gilead? It's crazy. I don't know. Mm, I don't think so, but who knows? I don't know. Oh, really? Okay, great. Okay, really? Is this what we're thinking? Do you think that Serena is actually coming back with the baby? What? What? I don't know. I haven't actually thought it through, but I, I struggle with the idea of Serena not being in the world where June is. I do. Um, but she can't really exist in Gilead without Fred, can she? I don't know. Mm. I, I just have... assumed she was going to Canada. Mm. Yeah, that all yeah. sounds a point to that. But... Yeah, I'm assuming she's out now. So I guess my big question is what's going to happen with June because everyone all season keeps telling June that she's going to die. And even Joseph Lawrence in this episode sort of makes a point that if he gets out, he could be the hero that gets 52 kids out. And, of course, she's still opting to stay here to die. Mm. And let everyone all season just keeps pointing out that she's kind of got a death wish. And I thought, is this how the season's going to end? Haiti, you had a point about that, about the reason why she can't die just yet. Oh, yeah. Well, there's an element of plot armour in her character where – her, her monologues are her telling the story of her survival from the future. So she has to survive long enough to tell that story. In the in the original novel, she recorded tapes that made their way to Canada. Mm. 
um, about her experience. So she survived at least up to the point where she made those tapes. True, but she survived up to this point and we know there are tapes in the basement now. Yeah. So has she just been running off every so often to make some more tapes? And, yeah, <laughs> That's I don't what know. we don't know. Yeah, exactly. In the in the book, yeah, she's long gone by the time the tapes are found. So she could go at any point. But mm. um, well, I, I really not. Yeah, I don't want it to end with Serena in Canada and, and June stuck in Gilead. So um, <laughs> yeah, I have my fingers crossed that June's going to make it to Canada. And also hope next week that we see Luke and Moira, which mm. I assume we will because it's probably going to be a Baby Nicole episode. Yeah, I think it's a what what is going on with Fred and Serena? Where where are they ending up? Um, well, I personally can't wait. I'm there for Fred's trial. Yes, <laughs> um, because he he can't dob in Winslow now. He's you know what's his big fish? Who's the big fish? Yeah. Hmm. Mm. Well, Fred has a lot. Like because Fred, as we mentioned last week. He was quite instrumental in coming up with the whole architecture of Gilead as well. Just as like Commander Lawrence had the big ideas in the beginning, when it actually just sort of came to kind of that politician's role of just organising the actual architecture of, of the ins and outs of it. Mm. Fred was Fred was in it, you know, like yeah. he he had quite a big role to play. So I'm sure that he has lots of other commanders that he could take down. Yeah. I mean, I- the Marthas haven't already burned them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, who knows? Yeah, I think Fred would try to flip Lawrence. He'd do- obviously dob him in, I think. And I do like the way Fred and Serena are the mirror of Joseph and Eleanor mm-hmm. as well, especially in this episode, but just broadly, Eleanor feels incredible remorse, but Serena's just has got her self-protection going on. <laughs> yeah, I wonder that about Eleanor because she does seem to feel remorse, but did you not realise the world that you were making? Like that at what point did those scales tip and it was just too much for you? Hmm. And her thing seems to be the ceremony. Like that is just that step too far. But I thought, were you okay with the rest? Mm -hmm. You know, like at what point did that actually happen? And as June said, you could have done something. Yeah, exactly. Well, I mean, you know, obviously literally when they were at the door and came in her house, which was her sanctuary, yeah, everything changed. And all of Joseph's promises were for naught. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like Serena's actions in this, as much as... They are fantastic and I really enjoy them. But it is so very typically Serena in that she has <laughs> only thought about herself. Here's, here's, here's June willing to die in Gilead trying to get 52 kids out. And here's Serena who has gone far enough to realise that Gilead's not a, not a good place for girls. So she's going to get herself out. Yeah. And, yep, great, well done. Yeah. I, th- I think this is a big change in Serena. She's always been the kind of woman who's sought power by proximity to men and sought Mm. power in the shadow of men in a way with her whole uh, politics of female domesticity and returning to the home and everything that she's everything that she's about domestic feminism that's it yeah and what she's essentially doing here is evolving as a mother to realize that she can be a single mother you know she's leaving Fred and that's something that's very different for her. She's going out into the world alone as a woman now. Mm. And I think that's a big change. It is. And I think it's expressed sort of visually in her taking the driver's seat, popping the top of the Merc and hitting the hitting the highway. Yeah, Sarita's literally taking the driver's seat in this one. <laughs> one thing in this episode, it's directed by Deniz Gamze Ergivan, the Turkish director who made the incredible film Mustang four years ago, mm-hmm. if anyone saw that, sort of the French language film. But 
this one is a perfect marriage of director with Handmaid's Tale subject matter because that film was all about a, a family of sisters ranging in ages between tweens and teens, late teens, who were sort of shut away by an uncle and married off and... Yeah, it was just about female bonds and trying to break free and just the resilience of women. So wonderful. I've been waiting for her episodes to come. Yeah, so this is her um, and she's got next week as well. But, yeah, quite beautiful. And check out Mustang as well. It was an incredible film. Crucial to this episode, the Marthas, of course. And um, we mentioned it before, but their visit. Visit to the Lawrences just to uh, put June in her place, which... Fair point. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she's coming along acting like the saviour of everyone when they've had a very systematic kind of network going on and they don't want some upstart handmaid coming along and wrecking everything. We're shutting you down. We have our own plans. You're interfering with them. So that was a conversation that needed to be had and I appreciated that it was had. (laughs) It was a really interesting look and actually that the resistance is actually happening because like we're only seeing it from June's point of view and she really has been all season like quite an outsider. Yes. So yeah, that was kind of like the first real look we've had about the resistance network that is actually happening underground. Yeah. Since the beginning of season with the... Getting the coal out? No, yeah. since since we were all in the basement last time with the uh, with the Martha who'd been shot. Yes. We have sort of haven't heard anything about the resistance since then, so we're kind of picking that back up again. And yeah. we've got a real sense that there's actually, there's actually leadership. Like it's not just mm. some disorganised group. Like they have their own leadership, they have their own roles, They it is quite organised. Like there is seriously a whole other season and show just in that Martha network. And there is also a whole other show just in the Jezebel's Trauma Cleanup Crew. Right, <laughs> right. Thank you. Yeah, we totally watch that. And they need to be selling those cleaning products, getting that blood out of that cup. It's yeah. incredible. But, yeah, the first scene, you know, again, foreshadows what comes because they do say to June... We could poison you. Dump your body in the river, make it look like a suicide, and no one would know. Mm -hmm. No one would ask. Mm -hmm. So they, that clean-up crew, they are good. I was going to (laughs) say, I believe them. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) So so my question now is, how many commanders have they they just gotten rid of this way? I feel like that furnace has had a workout. They are very efficient. (laughs) Yeah. And, I mean, if you're going to kill a commander, do it at Jezebel's, obviously, because no one would admit to being there. I was actually thinking about, like, what would the headline on the Gilead News be the next day? Which, of course, they would bury this story, but it would be like, you know, um, Washington commander found in sex slave dungeon sort of thing. (laughs) But there's no evidence that he was ever there. It's incredible. And talk about fire. Hello, incineration (laughs) of High Commander Winslow. What a way to go. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Yeah, it was a great um, montage to watch this erasure of a man by the unseen women of Gilead. Mm. That shot where he just rolled out of the trolley cart. <laughs> that was quite wonderful. And all set to the incredible Kate Bush song, Cloud Busting, which we had a Kate Bush song at the start of season two, didn't love we? Love it. Yeah. I love that Kate Bush is kind of becoming the soundtrack to this series uh, because her songs have been used so often. And I like that her music harks back to the era in which The Handmaid's Tale was written and there's a nice connectedness there. But in that scene where it starts playing, the play between the very ominous line that Lawrence delivers about how they'll be coming for us now and the lyrics of the song being about the sun coming out and something good happening as the sun, the dawn is literally shining in the window over June's shoulder was a nice nice little play. It's a different 
than the June Zoom kind of shot. Like she's looking yeah. off to the side. There's nice sunlight behind her. It was it was good. <laughs> yeah, like we we're kind of making fun of the June shot a little bit sometimes. <laughs> um, and Kate Bush as well. I mean, I love that the red dress kind of analogy. You know that there's the Kate Bush oh day where goodness, all the women yes. dress up in red dresses, <laughs> and you know June goes to the wardrobe. There's all the red dresses there. I thought that was a nice little nod to Kate Bush. So I mean, see you later, Winslow. <laughs> I love it. I mean, in yeah. the, all the theories we had about him and, and about him and Fred, they're all moot now. There's, there is no way to go on that. Love it. I was going to say, like, I did actually want to see some Fred and Winslow action. Know and you, you know did. what? This is the sort of action that's way better. <laughs> I'm very happy. Yeah. But I mean, that scene, I watched through my fingertips. That was a really tense scene and it really captured the drama. He was like a gorilla really in that room, wasn't he? He was just a, an animal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That was really scary. On, puffed up on power. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. Um, I thought it was a nice touch as well that frequently when you saw him in that room, the pattern on the door behind him was actually in that sort of swastika style. Yes. Yeah. Um, which I thought was a nice, I thought was a very nice touch. I really was sort of watching it with a bit of a sinking heart thinking, oh no, it sounds like June really is just going to have to go along with this. Yeah. And so when she actually fought back, it was brilliant. And the sound editing in this one as well, I think that's what made it really difficult as well, just hearing the noises, the, the, mm. the sounds in this. It was, yeah, really, yeah. Um, I'm looking to our audio mixer, Jeremy, when I say this, that's a little nod to the audio in the episode. So, um, yeah. Oof. Yeah, completely visceral. I, too, was watching through my fingertips. I think for the first time this season. I felt mm. like last season, every other episode, I was terrified watching it. And this is the first time I've really had a scene affect me. It really caught in my throat. Oh. Yeah. I mean, mine was like, when, remember when the needle went into her finger in the hospital? <laughs> uh, ah, that's, yeah. Yes, that's, that's true. Watching through fingertips for me. Yeah. Um, but this th- at a much deeper yeah. level, that was that was just sort of medical gore, but this really punched. Ugh. Oh, yeah, apt word. Um, and when she's walking through the corridor and, you know, that we fear that this commander and the sex slave basically, mm-hmm. Jezebel's, he sort of gives her a glance, but clearly he's distracted and horrible, but... Seeing a woman in that sort of state, probably not a rarity. That's what I was thinking as well. Yeah. It's like, yeah, I'm sure they've seen I'm sure they've seen plenty of beaten up women yeah. in those corridors and they really just don't care. He's got his eye on his prize and that's all he cares about. Yeah. The shots in this one, you know, we have a lot of aerial shots of the road of Serena and Fred following Torello to who knows where. And, I mean, Fred should have his GPS on if such a thing exists in Gilead because he would know he'd cross the border, but blah, blah. But we see a lot of aerials and all the corridors at Jezebel's and things and people in doorways. I know Sana sort of said at the start of this season that, um, you know, doorways are quite relevant in uh, literature and film, just sort of uh, reading them. Yeah, June's in a lot of doorways. He has a lot of corridors, could go down any kind of path. Lawrence is trying to get out, but mm-hmm. checkpoints are stopping him. He's trapped in the world he created, sucked in. Yeah, I, li- I like the, the film language going on in this episode. I was wondering about that because I did do that massive aerial shot of them driving through the forest and I was like, I know this means something. <laughs> I'm going to have to ask you guys because clearly I'm always bad at this. And the bridge that looked like teeth. Yes, I said the bridge yeah. that looked like teeth. Yeah. Oh, I, I read that as a scar. It looked like a scar okay. to me. I was like, was it like the jaws of hell? I don't know. All of that. This is all good stuff. Why not? <laughs> In terms of whether things were believable or not, like I did have a question about yes. June coming out of the corridor and I thought – is this believable that she is quite beaten up and no one's going to notice? And then I thought, actually, just as you said, Fiona, unfortunately, it probably is quite believable. Mm. The only bit that sort of really sticks with me is, come on, Fred, you were driving a fairway. Did you really, did you really not realise that you're about to cross a border? 
I think it just speaks to his trust in Serena. Like she said it was going to be all right, this guy's trustworthy. See you later. So the only thing that really annoyed me this episode was when Fred turned off Oprah. Like, oh, my God, I don't care what else you've done. For that, you get dobbed in. Straight to the Hague. (laughs) It was nice to see Oprah back. Yeah, she's still doing Radio Free America call-outs. There was an enormous coincidence, and I was sort of pondering it, but I think it probably actually bears out that the Martha who came into the room is one of the Marthas that June saved. She saw her in the cage. I'll allow it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep. But, you know, we noticed that. Um, because I do think like they probably they would have ended up at Jezebel's. It makes sense. Um, yeah. What do we think? I did think of you when that happened, uh, <laughs> Natalie, because you were so keen to see uh, where these women had gotten to. It was a little bit of a stretch, but definitely plausible. Yeah. And it was nice to, to sort of see... June reap the benefits of something that Mm -hmm. she'd sowed earlier in the season for once. And I think at the start she does say this has to mean something, like she's saying it to Eleanor. So, like, you know, it does all mean something if you just wait a while. Yeah, I thought that too. Like it does sort of stretch belief somewhat. But I actually found that quite moving when she gave her the key card to the, like the card to the elevator. Yeah. Um, for some reason, I don't know why. I like, yeah, I actually found that probably the most moving part of the whole episode. And it's sort of like when you have Serena, who seems really self-serving, and then you have June, who is now just trying to help everybody else and not herself to actually get a benefit come back to her. Because mm. part of me was like, oh, and look, and June gets saved again. But I thought, you know what, she has, she has totally earned this one. And I think compared to Lawrence, who he's trapped by the world he's built, June's you know, getting free passes and Hail Marys from the world she's built. She's getting access through these checkpoints, whereas he's actually getting trapped. I also spent a lot of this episode thinking about the comment that was made last episode or the previous about when June is talking to her mother and saying, uh, you know, you always wanted a women's culture and now we've got it, but maybe not in the way you envisaged. And that scene where the Martha helps out June and everything that happens in this episode reminded me of that idea of a women's culture and how it's slowly building itself up in Gilead behind these closed doors and, you know, in the invisible kind of cellars Mm -hmm. below commanders' houses. And in this episode, all the commanders are getting their comeuppance. But behind all of that, all of these women are organising themselves and and building their strength. Because the men don't really see them. Yeah. Yeah, they just sort of... They don't believe they should have any power, like, but they actually really believe that they shouldn't have any power. They really sort of think that women are lesser. So it sort of, I think, is not really occurring to them of what they're actually capable mm. of. And even Joseph Lawrence, who said that he was aware and had helped in the past because he likes them to let off a little bit of steam. Mm-hmm. I don't even think that he's properly aware of just how extensive that network is. And he was quite mm. surprised and shocked, I think, at what June really was capable of. <laughs> And you see that real reversal in him because he gave her the gun at the end, yeah, you right. know. That was a real, you are, you are now the protector of this house, yeah. you know. That was um, that gun passed through a few hands this episode. <laughs> he took it with him when he bolted, but, uh, yeah, I, back to its rightful owner, I think. That gun is just making me think of uh, the, the Chekhov's gun yeah. dramatic principle where you don't show a gun unless you intend to fire it because everything has to mean something. So this gun has been so prominent in this episode, I'm just waiting for the moment when it goes off. Yep. All right, so where are we left with this? We know there's a plane coming. We've met Billy, who 
is a guy that organises things apparently and he just wants his stash of artwork. I really don't want to think about what Billy has seen as the bartender at Jezebel's. Yeah, right. Oh, my God. <laughs> so what do we think about this, this incoming shipment? What's coming in? Yep, exactly. We'll see about that one. I don't know, but it reminds me of the episode when Serena went to Canada in a cargo plane and it was empty on the way there, but on the way back there was very noticeably a lot of things in the back of that cargo plane. I'm wondering... I thought that was more an official shipment, but still. What is it it that the Martha... Because I was thinking... What are the sorts of things that they would need? But Guns and bombs. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Because I'm thinking, at first I was thinking, oh, you know, there'll be like medical supplies, you know, because like Mrs. Lawrence needs um, her medication. But I thought, no, that's not what this is. This this is clearly something bigger and much more precious. Mm. So, yes, I'm very curious to find out what's actually in that plane drop. Yeah. Is it some Canadian spies? Yeah. <laughs> hey. Um, we can get our 007 next <laughs> next episode. <laughs> All right. So are we done on, what was that? Was that 11? Oh, my God, that was 11. We've got 12 and 13 to go. Speculation, I guess we've indulged in a little bit of that, but what do we think? I think it's Canada episode. Yeah. Look, I think Joseph Florence is going to die, I reckon, I think. I just don't think he's going to make it out and be a hero because they've now flagged it a few times and I think that yeah. just kind of means it's not going to happen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's also kind of done, you know. Um, I feel like I feel like his character is sort of finished. So, is he actually going to get on that plane with those fifty-two kids? I just I just don't see that happening. There's also a gun in the household. Mm. Mm. I think Eleanor's potentially on the table as well. I don't know because <laughs> it would be more tragic for Lawrence if he lost his wife after trying so hard to protect her and making efforts to get her out and, and making failing. efforts to get her out. So, I'm gonna. I'm going to predict that Eleanor's the corner and not Lawrence. It's a Lawrence, shall we say. <laughs> <laughs> but that actually would really kind of destroy him, like in in mm. in a way that the handmaids have suffered being separated from their children. He doesn't have children, but his love for his wife and the and the caretaking role that he has for her, if he is separated from her or knows that she's now being treated terribly, he will be devastated. Or it might just yes. give him the push he needs to uh, become the hero. <laughs> no. Do it for Eleanor. <laughs> anyway, maybe we're just getting ahead of ourselves here. But uh, look, only one way to find out and we are here for it. So thank you for listening. We hope that helped. I think it helped. Help me. <laughs> yeah, I love this one. Thank you for making it. Creators of The Handmaid's Tale. I want to thank my co-hosts, Haiti Island and Baby Greta and Natalie Handley. And thank you for listening. We um, we love that you've made our show part of your Handmaid's Viewing experience and we love reading all of your theories on Twitter. So go for it. Use the hashtag EyesOnGilead. Um, that's where the conversation is happening. And uh, if you do, you can reach out to me on Twitter and find me at AnythingButFifi. Natalie, where can we find you? At Natalie Handley. Haiti? At Haiti Island. We've got any goodies? A Mrs Waterman tweeted that when... Margaret Atwood's sequel to The Handmaid's Tale, The Testaments, comes out. She's very keen for an Eyes on Gilead book club. <laughs> <laughs> One for you, for us to think about, hey? I'm, I'm here for it. Yeah, let's not rule it out. When I think that's due in uh, September, so we'll see. There was a good one, actually. Someone left a review and made a couple of observations. Sally in Adelaide, thank you. She noticed that the men in the room in the hospital episode paid no attention to June. However, when the nurse disposed of the knife, he looked June straight in the eye. Not sure if he was daring her to use it or offering her a way out. Then Serena and the doctor could have reported her but didn't. So Sally is speculating that June has been earmarked by a rebellious, high-powered group who are playing the long game. She appears to be important to a lot of people in a lot of important positions, even Lydia. 
just a thought. All right. <laughs> love it. Thanks, Sally. So, as Sally has done, feel free to leave a review and give us a rating wherever you find your podcasts. It helps other people find the show. And as I say, if you're on Twitter, use the hashtag EyesOnGilead. For more Handmaid's coverage, if you just can't get enough of this crazy show, um, head to SBS Guide, where we've got some recommendations for other things to watch as you await the next episode. Speaking of which, new episodes, two more to go, uh, of The Handmaid's Tale Season 3 premiere every Thursday on SBS and at SBS On Demand. Eyes on Gilead is produced by me, Fiona Williams, and edited and mixed by Jeremy Wilmot. You don't own me, I'm not your property, so take your dirty builders thinking that of me. Time to go. Until next time, don't let the bastards grind you down. Need a few minutes to reset? Great Minds is a podcast from SBS that guides you through different meditation styles from around the world. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.